Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anne, as Mitch has told you. I am married to Stu, who looks a little bit like Magnum P.I. at the moment. <laughs> Decided to grow one of these things, right? I might grow my leg here, darling. Um, <clears throat> we have five children. <laughs> he doesn't believe me. <laughs> We've got five kiddies, and we are in the, in the midst of renovating a very old, 101-year-old um, villa at our place. So we've got a bit of land. We picked it up from Christchurch. We dropped it off, and we're in the very slow process of doing that up. Well, it's fun. And while we're doing it, we um, are living at the end of a very large wool shed. We've kind of tucked ourselves to one end. That was five children. Two bedrooms. <laughs> and so we are living a very interesting experience. We um, have also, for the last just over two years now, I've been using um, a porter toilet. And never in my whole life, ever, have I been so grateful for public toilets. <laughs> <laughs> Let me start by saying that life circumstances, the things that we go through in life, can teach us a lot about ourselves. They can teach us a lot about our heart, the things that we value, the things that we find important. And with these different experiences, they can test how we're going to respond to those experiences. My response to a portaloo isn't too good, (laughs) but what it has done living in this shed at the moment, it's really um, challenged me to appreciate the things that I have in my life. I want to start with the scripture in Psalms 139. It says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. And as I share with you today, my prayer really is is that God would challenge some stuff in our heart. He, He would reveal some stuff to us that we could be really honest and be really raw with God and um, allow him to challenge us and call out a response from us. Um, And, you know, verses like this, like Psalms, search me, God, know my heart, and test me, Lord, they kind of should have some red lights or some flashing flashing warning things or kind of search tapes saying, warning, warning, if you make this prayer, trust that God will answer it. (laughs) And there are particular songs in church that when it says, test me, Lord, test my patience, God, refining fire, I'll start singing and then suddenly I'll go quiet (laughs) because I know that if I ask this question that I'm asking God to do something in my heart and what it does is it reveals to me and if I can't ask that, what is my revelation of who God is? What is my revelation of his goodness? Because if we know his goodness, those questions and those challenges that we ask him to do in our lives don't become so hard. So this challenge of faith and trust in God is something I wanted to discuss today. And whether you believe in God or not, whether you've had a relationship with God for a while or whether you're still on the edge of wondering whether this God is real, um, let's trust that God can speak to us today and give us some revelation. And if you think that you've got it and you're all sorted and you're on the top of a mountain going, you know what, I've made it. I know God is good. I know God's real. I've got that sorted. I know who I am in God. 
That's cool. But I just want to say that it is likely that you may face another valley, another river to cross, another mountain to climb. But when you get on the top of that mountain, it's not, the, it's not a different view, but it's a, we're still looking at the same thing, but we've got a different perspective on those things. And so that's what I want us to be real honest about and look at today. So Glenn and Debbie asked me to share my testimony with you guys. So I'm going to share a bit of my journey. I get a chance just to talk about myself. <laughs> so it should be okay. And um, there are some lessons that I want to look at that are things that God's repeatedly spoken to me about. It's quite a good thing to do and check in on God and say, God, what is it that you keep talking to me about? And it's frustrating because I think, God, have I not learnt that lesson? Why is it that I still have to learn these things, and for me, it's about being deeper. It's not about a knowledge of this, it's about a knowledge of this, this deep knowledge of things. So we want to look at three things today, these three kind of lessons that I've had to face in my life. Number one, they might even be up there, yep, God is real. And due to that truth, what does that mean for my life? And if I know that God is real then is he real in my life? So not just is God real, does he exist? And there's, yes, this, this kind of God that is above all things. Is he real and existing in my daily walk and my daily life of God? How real is he? You get that? Yeah. Listen to, God is, God, uh, is good. Is he? Is he really? Do I trust God really in my life? If knowing God is good, that means I trust him with my life. Who do I say he is? Who do my friends say he is? Who does Pastor Glenn say he is? Who do the rich say he is? Who do the poor say he is? Who do the unwell and the sick say he is? What's my perspective and what have I heard and what have I learned about who God is and who is he in my life? How do I find out who he is? And the third lesson, God is king, not me. If he is interested in my life, if he is real, if he is this good God, then this is a response that we need to make. Is God king or am I in charge of my life? I'm just going to look at it briefly because making God king in our life is a response that is required from us daily. So I'm going to touch briefly on that at the end. And if you put a question mark next to all those three things, God is real, question mark, God is real, God is good, God is king, not me, then these are the questions that the world out there is asking. Is there some kind of spiritual being that is above and beyond us, or are there many? Is there this God that is real in this world? And if there is, is this God good? We know that is a question that many people ask. And there are many responses to God in that, and whether he is king or not. Let's start with lesson number one, God's real. <laughs> um, I'm going to share with you how I became a Christian and how God was real to me initially. And the coolest thing I want to share about it is the fact that God chose me before I chose God, and it's a really very real story for me. So I want to start with my family. So my mum is from a spiritual family. 
Um, they're really into spirituality and they like to read tarot cards and they're very interested in looking at um, things like superstition and, and lots of that kind of stuff. astrology, really into that. My grandmother, she would read tea leaves. And if you were going to put her, them under a, an umbrella, they would be asking that question, is God real? Is there a spiritual world? And they were aware that there was something more in life than just what they could see in front of them. My father's side of the family, I remember having a discussion with my grandparents because I was pretty in love with Jesus and I wanted to know if they were. And they said, well, look at the history of the church. It's not that fantastic, is it? And so their understanding of God was that God was not good at all, that God was mean. And so their big overarching question was, was God good? Is God good? And so my parents had this limited foundation on who God was. They didn't go to church. None of their family members went to church. Their parents didn't go to church. And so it was really limited in what they knew about God, if anything. So my father died of cancer when I was five. And while he was in hospital, he had a vision of Jesus who came to him, which I think is amazing. This is God doing something, not just for him, but for me as well, and for my kiddies and their kiddies and their kiddies. Um, and when he met Jesus, he knew it was Jesus. He knew that Jesus was good. He knew that uh, eternity was being offered to him. And he was someone who went from facing death and having no hope to suddenly having this hope in a life of eternity where he was free from sickness. And that really changed, changed his life. Now, my mum heard the story from my dad, and they didn't know what this was all about. They knew that there was this Jesus who turned up, and they didn't know much about him. So the nurse that was nursing him, she was a Christian, and they had shared the story with her. And she went and got her pastor and his wife to come and visit my parents, and they told her all about Jesus and told them both about who this Jesus was and what salvation was and this changed their life and was a real marking point for, for Christianity and our family. And so my mum, the biggest thing about her choice with God wasn't the fact that Jesus did this miraculous thing and turned up in this room. Like, I would think that was pretty awesome, right? I believe if Jesus' light was right there in front of me. That wasn't the thing that testified Jesus to her. The thing that testified God to her was the changed life in a person, his testimony was the revelation of God. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Our testimony is the revelation of God. There is some weight in that, which is choice. The thing that I love about when I was writing this, I was thinking about it, and God is good. He was that revelation to my dad, and the very question that my, um, his parents had was, is God good? And my dad was in one of the worst circumstances that you could be in, yet he could still say that God was good. So it was from that point that I, we started going to church, and it was a very formal moment for me to give my heart to God. The Sunday school teacher, she asked us to put our hands up. We went out to a room. We had a little card that we filled out, and I gave my heart to Jesus on the 14th of September, 1985. And it was a very real very um, honest commitment to God, and I loved him. I was a little bit worried about going to hell, 
So that was a big motivator, but there was a definite knowledge of God being real in my life. The 14th of September, which I didn't realise till I was in my 20s, I had it written inside my little Good News Bible, was the day of my dad's birthday, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. So God being real. God can be real because our mums say so. They're right. Mums are right because God is real, right? And that's great. She's right. And let's face it, that that is the beginning of many people's journey because somebody's testified to them that God is real. But as I grew up, I had a growing frustration that that wasn't enough just because my mum said so or because my wife said so or because someone else said so or because the church is saying so. That wasn't enough for me. I'm going to put up 1 Corinthians. Oh, let's, let's read those. Because our mum says so, because the Bible says so, because creation says so, and because miracles say so, and we get to the point because I know so. So I want to look at that next one, because the Bible says so, in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, for whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. The Bible says so. Paul's actually talking to a church in Corinth, and they are living in a culture where there is more than one God, and there's kind of these multi-gods, and people are worshipping idols. And so there's a little verse just before we come into verse 6. And it says this, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, his response is this, Yet for us there is but one God. The Bible tells us that God is real. Again, my response was, But that's not enough for me. My mum says that he's real. The Bible says he's real. That's not enough for me. Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Creation tells us that God is real. And you may, I've had that experience where you're just in nature and you just go, man, God, you're so real. You suddenly feel so small compared to the incredible things that God's created. I think that that's why people have a sense of there's got to be something more, right? It's that sense of God in the world. Also, for me, that was still not enough. I think I was sassy and I just wanted to question God. God, that's not good enough for me. (laughs) You've got to be more than this. God's miracles show us God is real and they testify to the reality of his power. I remember this guy sharing at church when I was in um, Palmerston North. And he talked about how he'd met this guy who, was, who lived in a third world country and he had experienced healing. He had seen much, lots of healing and he just had this real faith that God could like move mountains, could do this incredible stuff. And he, he approached this guy and said, man, your faith is incredible. Oh, you see healing, you believe for healing. This guy looked at him sideways and said, what are you talking about? 
We are desperate for this. We've got no other choice. We've got to ask God to move. And I've seen all these miracles happening. I'm expectant of this. And you go back home and you've got medicine. You don't have this desperate desire that we have over here. And yet you still believe and you have faith. It's good. I thought that was really good. Makes me think, you know, Jesus kind of called that. And John, he talks to Thomas and he says, You have seen me and you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And that is our story of faith, right? And the sassy kind of young female that I was and still kind of am, eh, Stu? Yeah. <laughs> that said that this wasn't enough. I need more than this because you know what? The testimonies, this historical accounts, these miracles that other people are experiencing and their stories, that's not, that's not real for me. I need more than that. And this is, Mitch, you kind of briefly talked about this last week, that it's about pursuing intimacy with God and about God being real in our lives. And, you know, all of this... We'll hear all of this stuff around, and it's great. I actually still love hearing people's testimonies and hearing the stories of God doing what he does. And I love it because I know God's real, and I just, it's awesome. It's him being alive in other people's lives. But there is a point in your life where you go, God, you know what? I need you to be real in my life. That's the revelation that I need of your existence. Does he need to prove himself to us? No. Does he need to come and visit us and talk to us? Directly, he doesn't have to do that, but God desires to have a relationship with us. So this growing frustration in me to connect with God on this deeper level, this intimacy. I still very, very clearly remember being in my lounge room um, at home. I was a kid, I was with my mum and I was, I was a teenager. And I said to God, you know what, God? If you wanted, you could come and you could visit me right now. If it's about relationship that you want, then that's what I want. I want you to come right now. You could make yourself completely real to me. I could see you. You could talk to me. There'd be no more questions. I wouldn't need to ask you, Lord, what do I need to do with my life? What do I need to do today? What do I need to do tomorrow? You could talk to me and fill me in. Then I'd believe God. But you haven't. And you know what? I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. It would have been seconds. It was like everything was quiet and everything was still. And I knew that I knew that I knew that God was real. And he didn't speak to me audibly. He didn't speak, uh, reveal himself. He didn't do a big miracle. I didn't see him face to face. But I knew that I knew that I knew that God was real. And that's, that is the start of the journey of faith. I still would quite like to see him face to face. <laughs> um, I have said all of this, I think. Before I go into lesson two, I just want to say this. Knowing God is real is really important. That seems real basic, eh? If you want to be a Christian, you kind of need to know that God's real, right? Knowing God is real is really important. Do you get what I mean by that impact and the weight of what, who God is in our life? 
knowing his thoughts towards you, learning to hear his voice, having conversations with him, asking him questions, chatting with him each day, that your commitment with God isn't this transactional thing, but it's a real relational thing that you have with God. And the word says in James 4 that as you draw near to God, that he will draw near to you. As you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Intimacy with God helps us answer the question, is God real? And is he real in my life? So lesson two, God is good. You might get that up there. Knowing God is good is about knowing God. So, yep, God, you're real. Tick. Now I've got to know who you are. And as I know you more, that's about knowing God that you are good. I kind of liken it to this. When you have a glass of water and you're real thirsty, you know water's good for you, right? Have a glass of water. Yeah, that was good. I was thirsty. Satisfied that. When you get real thirsty, you have a glass of water, and the weight of that water and the importance of that water becomes a little bit more meaningful. When you're desperate for water and you need that water to turn up, that water is the most important thing. And the water hasn't changed, but the value in our heart changes towards that water. We get that? It's funny because if you ever get a chance to speak in church, don't be surprised if you get a little bit challenged by the very thing that you want to talk about. <laughs> I don't want to do this again, Mitch. No. <laughs> so I um, literally just in the weeks leading up to speaking about God's goodness and God's reality in my life, I went in, and I get real bad eczema, and it, sometimes it gets real bad, and I went in and saw the doctor, and he was like, he was a new kind of young doctor, which was cool, because he was like, okay, let's be serious about this, what can we, can we do about this, I want to take some photos, he even did a little wee video thing, I think he's kind of learning, he's, he's a doctor, but he's new at it, so he keeps accountable to another whole lot of doctors, so I was like, yeah, my case is being looked at, not just by him, but a whole lot of other specialists, this is great. I was like, I haven't got my mascara on today. Do we have to do the video today? And he's like, yeah, we have to do the video today. <laughs> I was like, I can't go this side because this is my better side. So anyway, we were videoing. And anyway, he decided that it was time we get some blood tests. Now, I am a warrior by nature. My husband would agree to that. I love it because he isn't. <laughs> Everything's just chill, eh, Stu? Yep. <laughs> and... I took a photo of the little script where I was going in to give my bloods and I started to look everything up. Oh my goodness, look at all these autoimmune diseases that we're looking at. Oh my gosh. We went in. People, you guys have done this, you know, Dr. Google, right? <laughs> so I went in, gave my bloods, got a phone call. Everything's looking pretty good. And I get another phone call. Actually, I need you to come in. And... I went in and he said, you've come out positive for something and we need to check this. It was positive for a horrible disease. That's, it's awful. You can, it's lupus. I don't know if you've heard of lupus. Yep, it's pretty, it's pretty awful. And of course, I looked all into this when I left. I had to go in and give my test on a Friday, so I had the weekend. When am I going to hear? Oh, it might take a couple of weeks, but, you know, sometimes we're going to send stuff. It might, not take, it might take a few days, but these are some really interesting tests, and we don't normally do these tests, so it could take a little bit of a while. 
So I waited another week, and then we had the long weekend, and I went away, and I thought, if these guys ring me in the long weekend, I'm having some fun with my sister. I do not want to stress about this. And anyway, short story. Long story short, I got the results back, and they were like, oh, nothing else has popped up. It's actually fine. And I literally went to the doctor, what, two days ago? And my doctor said, you know that blood test that you came positive on? It was really mild, and it's actually really common that, you know, you can come high now. And I went... Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Being confronted with things that are hard in our life tests our heart to say, God, regardless of whatever this result is, whatever this is, you are still good. It's hard to do. And the reason why I think that I can do this, because I could say God is good, is because I have a bank of stories where God has shown his goodness in my life. And you need to remind yourself of those things. It's really important because if we take up the shield of faith in Ephesians 6, it says you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the, of the evil one. Faith is wicked. Wicked's probably not the word, eh? It's awesome. <laughs> it's just my 80s, 90s thing kicking in. My, are we going for time? My, um... My mum, obviously, she was left with three children. We were on what she called a farmlet, which is really a lifestyle block today. She had animals to look after. They'd moved from Auckland. They'd moved from a city to then suddenly have to, let's try out this farm life. That was my dad's idea, and then he died. And my mum had three kids, moved to a town where she had no family around, was still getting to know people, and had to do life with us on her own. Church was incredible. I love church. And when church is working really well, it is a revelation to people of God's goodness. And my mum would continue to say, God did this for us. I prayed for this and this happened. And parents, if you've got kids, do that. Talk about God being real in your life. Don't just read the Bible and you know, tell the story of who God is. Tell the story of God, of who God is in your life. That really real stuff. Because that meant heaps for me. One day we were um, arriving home from our trip on holiday up north. And we were heading home. And me and my sister were in the back going, your Barbie is, that's not your Barbie, that's my Barbie. Or no, your Barbie's not as cool as mine. Mine's more attractive than your Barbie. No, your Barbie's not very attractive because you cut its hair and now it looks like a punk rocker. Like (laughs) we were having this, whatever it was, this argument that we were having. I still actually remember my mum kind of turning around to go, stop it, you lot. But as she did that and she turned, she pulled her steering wheel and we went down into a ditch. We were like this, and there was no way we could back out. I can't really remember anything other than that, but it was almost immediately that these two guys turned up and were like, you know, what's going on? Are you guys all right? And we must have been able to get out of the car fine. I'm sure I remember standing on the side of the road And they said, oh, there happens to be a tow truck coming down the road. That's pretty amazing. Happens to be a tow truck. So we didn't have to do a call-out. I don't know if you had call-out fees for tow trucks back in those days. But there happened to be a tow truck coming down. We saw saw it coming. Um, So it wasn't long before this tow truck turned up. And the men were like, right, you're right. You've got, this is the tow truck guy. He's going to pull you out. And mum was like, oh, hi. Yes, please, kind of get us out of this ditch. I just want to say thank you to these two men. They were gone. 
We were on a road that was really long that way and really long that way. My, fir- and my mum's first initial response was, oh, they've taken off. No. Did they go back the other way? No. They're not here. And we spent the whole trip talking about how we'd met these two angels that had come and helped us. And so my mum's story is really as a widow being well looked after by God and a father who was everything to her that her, she had hoped her husband would be but wasn't there to fulfill, and he was a good and amazing, cool God. So great, great, great story. I kind of want to finish with sharing. We'll get to our last bit in a minute. Stu and I, for, we have a girl called Emma. She's nine years old. Ten years old. Thank you. What? Eleven now. Oh. I have to count them. Monkey one, monkey two, monkey three. Where's monkey four? Um, she's got something called 4 piece syndrome. So she has a, you get a whole lot of chromosomes, and within those chromosomes, a DNA, that's information on how you're going to grow, whether you've got brown hair or blonde hair, uh, whether you can twist your tongue or all that kind of information. In fact, doctors don't know heaps about it. Don't you want doctors to know everything? <laughs> And um, so she's got some deletions in her fourth chromosome. So what they do is they put all that information into a computer. They put it through the computer that goes kind of to all these other computers in the world. And they kind of match you up with other people who have got the same combination as you have. So they can go, okay, so this is what we know about it. I remember feeling really numb about it all when um, we kind of got this revelation that our girl wasn't going to be what we expected her to be and it was real hard Um, but I do remember the doctor saying to us we've looked into it I'm sorry we can't tell you what you can expect I wish they could hear what was going on on in my head that's right you can't tell us what to expect that's right you can't tell us who she's going to be you want to be the author of her life Uh Uh-uh, we've got someone else who's the author of her life. We're not going to listen to this. We're going to believe for whatever God wants to have for this girl. I absolutely bawled my eyes out. (laughs) But somewhere in the journey of that, and it's still a journey for us, I can say that God is good. And again, it's that knowledge of God in our life of, I can say that God has done this. I can say that God has answered this prayer. God's got to be real in our life. He's interested in all those things. David would acknowledge that his ways are higher than our ways. That that is actually Isaiah, but David would acknowledge that. Yes, I will still praise him. I will sing of your strength. Acknowledging that God is good. This is where Lesson 3 comes in, that God is king, not me. The revelation that God is real, the revelation that he is good requires a response. If we know that God is good and we know that he's real, we can either turn to him or turn our back towards him. And I believe choosing God can be a daily prayer. Not my will, but yours. Not my agenda, but yours. Not my career, but yours. Not my finances, but yours. Not my thinking, but yours, God. 
So my testimony is not just about knowing God. It's about knowing God. A God that is real. A God that is good. And because I know that I know that I know that I know that God is good, then I will make a response that God will be king, not me. Lots of you know God. (laughs) My prayer is that we know him in a deeper way. Some of you may be in a place where even though we know God and we're we're a Christian, right now I don't know where he is. Right now I'm questioning God, are you good? You might not know God. You might have been thinking about him for a while, questioning those things. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just become a Christian and do this kind of formula of, yes, Jesus, you're going to be part of my life. Yes, do that. But let it be about experiencing God right where you're at and the situation you're in. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.